1221, Gresham Fourier here with you. We're about to get real busy on the Zoom and on the old uh, Twitch as well. You can also watch us on YouTube. Type in WEEI. Get right to the live stream because Andy Hart is with us. Of course, he was uh, in on Monday while Fourier was getting his ankle all hacked up. Hart, good afternoon. Good afternoon, fellas. How are you? And you're Hello, back, Andy. Andy's back on the visor. Is yep. uh, Hart? He, uh, uh, Christian, you missed it. Hart came in no visor and got comparisons to Brock Purdy. Really? Yeah. Okay. I took that as a compliment. I, I don't really see it. Uh, who also was getting comparisons to Lee Harvey Oswald, which was weird. What the side yep. by side comparison between those two guys? And then somebody asked him about it at the Super Bowl. I don't think he knew who who Oswald was actually. Oh, he must have. Did you see that, though? The people were I putting did. the side-by-side. Side. It actually looked like him. Yes, and then there were the memes that, like, who are two people who couldn't do it alone or something, like playing <laughs> off the multiple shooter. and like. So that's how that. it worked, then? Then they started ripping him for not being able to win a Super Bowl? Oh, Correct. Although, I would argue he was good enough to win the Super Bowl. That it yeah, so would I. Yeah, well, I don't think I would blame it on him. So now I've gone down the Lee Harvey Oswald yeah. road and thinking how much he looks like Hart. Because Hart looks like Purdy, and Purdy looks like this guy. So I don't I'm think like, Hart looks like Purdy at all. No, I'm no. saying to Hart and Lee Harvey Oswald because we know that the uh, we know that the 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 ferocity is there from Andy. What, what? Well, now you're accusing me of being. He can act alone. I'm he not could definitely no. act alone. I'm he just, would be one of those would, rogue guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. and also You'd never I haven't. Find him. I haven't watched it, but my buddy Rich Keith at night. Watched some recent documentary somewhere, and he is fully convinced that Lee Harvey Oswald did not do it. That there's oh no way my. in hell he did it. <laughs> so take that for whatever it's worth on the dork cast. My uh, my wife had one of those moments where she watched like one of those things on YouTube or something, and then was like, "9/11 didn't happen." And I'm yes. like, "Go call your friend." I'm like, "Call call your crazy friend whose husband works at NORAD. Like, get yourself right." Because I couldn't straighten her out, and of course well, her friend did, and all that. But a great—I fully believe that a great documentarian can convince you of anything, and it's huh. an art. And they just can manipulate Ooh. visuals and uh -oh. music and information. I drew. I do. I truly believe that you watch those things. Like they could convince Christian he never played in the NFL, like it was some figment of his imagination wow. or something. So that is, so what, what do you think Christ, about this? So what do you think about the whole this docu series that is going to be coming yeah. up? Uh, that's Aaron. We're actually going to have the director on tomorrow at eleven o'clock. Um, mm -hmm. So you think they're going to manipulate it? You think they're going to like sh you know like you know uh, skirt the truth or exaggerate or hide some things? Um, I don't necessarily think they're going to hide anything. I do think that this is told from a friendly craft perspective. Um, I mean, obviously, the the books are sold and they have signings in the Patriots Pro Shop. Like, I mean, if that doesn't tell you there's a friendly <laughs> business relationship between it well, and the Do you think the they had ownership. final cut? Do you think they had final say? I don't know if they had final say or not. I wouldn't necessarily accuse them of that. But sometimes even when you're doing something, you know who you're working with and you yeah. know who you're working under. And you just kind who's of... Doing you, who's giving you, doing some favors for you, yeah. making themselves available, giving right. you some video, stuff like that. Okay. Like, I mean... I do shows with you guys, so if I didn't agree with you guys, I would express it, but maybe in a certain way that if it was somebody I didn't like and didn't do shows with, 
maybe there'd be a little bit more animosity or, mm. you know, attacking. But I'd be like, ah, I love Christian. He said something stupid. We all say something stupid. Like, I, But if I didn't like you, I'd say the dude's a moron. I don't know how he's on the radio. He can't put a sentence together. That's just an example, by the way. Wow. I mean, wow. Thank you so that. basically, you would. <laughs> so basically, Hart admitted he would go to a being hurtful Hart, which is why oh, yeah, we play the Heartless. Yeah, he's oh, going to find yeah. something that you're insecure about, and he's going to highlight it. That's what he's going to do. Well, that's, that's what, like we, what all we do with him and his height. Exactly. That's what men do. That's what mean <laughs> people do. That's what bullies do, and we're all bullies at, at heart, aren't we? I don't think I have any friends that I can't make fun of. I don't think I want right. to. I don't think I want to work with people like this. I'm now part of the new generation. I need you to explain to me, Andy Hart, why you're that way. Oh, okay, let's go get to Foxborough. Gerard will teach you with love. If I knock on the door three times, will someone come out and just give me a hug, and then that way I can go on my my merry way? Would that work? And and so we had the little snippets today while we're talking about the dynasty here. I'm sure you saw the the athletic Chad Graff, you know, talking about you know it was brutal. Matthew Slater said, and Tom said, I I wouldn't go back for any money. I was done. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Christian. Bill Belichick never denied it being brutal. I can remember having personal conversations with him, like in the little side room, not even in the press conference, where he goes, "Yeah, this place is a tough place to play, and I'm a tough guy to play for. Like it is not easy. It is hard here, but that's the reality." And I remember players, "Oh, it's always easier on game day because practice is hard." Like you buy into the narrative and you accept that when you were same with Saban, right? I, I, listen, I sometimes get floored. Um, I can understand, um, you know. 10 years of it and you're just kind of get sick of it sure i was there four years i didn't think it was very challenging it was pretty simple hey we're paying you to do a job will you try will you show up on time will you give your best effort <laughs> why and Christian, by the why way, do i need to show up on time boss hey hey, hey and, and this is the weird thing about this business we're gonna pay you for it but we just add, and it's only going to be six months out of the year, and the rest of the time you can go do whatever you want. I don't. I mean, was he tough? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, he was no tougher than any other any other coach I had. You know, like as far as the demands that they place on him. The one thing I would say was be different. Like, like when I went to Washington, like you can get away with a lot. Guys used excuses, and there was no self policing. That's why I thought the biggest difference was any good team I've ever been on has always been self policed. It's been the right. players that were regulating the locker room, not the coaches. Yeah, I, I've always thought there's a little bit myth, more myth than bite in the Patriot way about like how hard it is. And I know you've expressed that in a variety of ways. The offense, the same thing. When people yeah. come and bitch about how hard the offense is and you've always kind of downplayed it like there's a playbook. <laughs> Study it. It's all the same plays. It's got a little different language, whatever. Um, but I just I found it interesting that it seems like we're kind of rekindling. And, and I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know that Bill's going to be the bad guy throughout 10 episodes of the Dynasty. I hope not. Um, I really hope that's not how this plays out, and I don't think it will. And I think there's a lot of truth to it. It's okay. The Amendola quote, the, you know, we we worked for Bill and played for Tom. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you guys can work for Ken Laird and succeed for each other, right? Like, you don't have to like your boss, right? He pays the paychecks. He signs you, whatever. You don't have to have this touchy-feely, oh, I'd, I'd do anything for that. I love you, man, like Julian Edelman you, says. Don't you think that there is a difference? Between, I look at the Edelmans and the Amadolas and the Gronks, that whole that group of guys, the, the second dynasty guys, mm -hmm. so differently than the first ones. The first group of guys 
look at Bill so differently than the second group of guys. The, the first group of guys, they almost cherished the fact that it was tough. They almost, you know, you know, don't want to let go of how challenging it was and how they banded together. That's I have a totally different experience than those guys, than those younger guys who had Bill when he was older. And I think that makes sense generationally, right? Yeah. Like a lot changes in 10 or 15 years, I feel like, of professional athletes, like the generations of athletes. And we're going in a completely, Gresh, you joked about it, but even another generation here of the why and the love and the why, because I said so. <laughs> like, that's why you have to do this. No, yeah. I'm not going to answer any more than that. And I don't, you know, according to Mayo, and he, I trust him, he's in the room, like he, he has a finger on the pulse of young athletes and 20-somethings. I trust him that you have to answer why sometimes, like if you want to be successful, and that's fine. That's a coach's job, isn't it? To be able to read the room, know the the landscape, and even on an individual basis. I'm sure Bill didn't treat every single player exactly the same 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. I I just can't envision that. Like The smirk he gives to, to Randy Moss when he wants him to come to his Halloween party and put on a pirate outfit... I don't think there's some other guys that maybe would have gotten the same smirk. They might have gotten the get the F out of my office, but he's Randy Moss. Bill loves his on-field play, his intellect. We're both football guys, and yeah, I'll let it loose with you. I just The myth and the reality of Bill Belichick, I think, is going to be interesting as we keep moving forward here and compare him to Andy Reid and compare him through these documentaries to whoever. Um, I just At some point, I think he's going to have to come out and... I don't know if defend himself is the right word, but put himself in perspective for what he accomplished. No, I think he'll do that with his next job. And maybe. then, and I, because I, I, I do think that maybe Bill tweaks some things a little bit, but at the end of the day, Hart, as Foreign and I talked about, you know, when a, when a guy sits in front of a room on a Monday and says, if you do this, this, and this, 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 and this will happen, and then it does. That is a pretty strong explanation of the why. Correct. You, you know what I mean? But it. But I, I don't know what P. It feels like now it's like, uh, oh, you're going to ask your kid to shovel snow? Well, you know, you make sure you don't send a text message. You make sure you uh, handwrite it and deliver it to their room and see if they're willing to come out or whatever. And I get that there's like the softening of the culture. But at some point, you would think smart football players would be like, well, God dang, what this guy says is right more often than not. Maybe I should just listen to him. And that's why it feels like the why questions came from one place, the offense in the post-Tom Brady era. I don't think the defense was still asking why, because all I saw on defense is like Jabril Peppers and these guys telling me how great a coach Bill is and we're put in position to succeed and he's, he's taken too much flack and strays and all those things. The why questions came from where? The offense? Why? Because the offense wasn't succeeding. The offense was when if you have success, you don't have to tell people to trust the process. They have eyeballs. They have experiences. They know the process is working. We're winning games. We're scoring points. We're having fun. Whatever. The why questions come when it's not working. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, so that's true. That's so, a good point. So off of that, because some people brought it up when Fourier and I were getting after it a little bit earlier. So maybe Gerard Mayo will have a much better understanding as to why Mac Jones asked why, which is the one thing that apparently really set Belichick off, right? Well, maybe if Mac Jones is still here, and I'd like to delve into that because I know Christian Fourier took shots at me for posting a question on Twitter today. I did? What was it? Would you trade Mac Jones for Zach Wilson? 
Oh, was oh. <laughs> oh, no, oh, you didn't I, even know it was me you were taking pot shots at. No, I, I laughed hard at that one, too. I did it. But but if it's okay to ask Let's why, get to it. but if it's okay to ask why, then wouldn't the guy taking over be like, of course, I completely understand why Mac did that. I can rationalize that. Or is this where we're going to get into hypocrisy central? Well, I think everybody understands why Mac asked why. Yeah. Because of the lack of success. Now, how you felt it or digested it, now the the militaristic hierarchy of an organization and a power structure, who the bleep are you to ask me why? Well, I'll be fair. I, I'm, I've never been in the military, but like the Matt Patricia hiring and the Joe Judge hiring, mm. as Kendrick Bourne detailed last week out in Vegas, everybody was asking the same questions. Inside the building, outside the building, like, hey, uh, how does this make sense? How is this going to work? And... So that, I think, started the snowball that was the why questions that Mac was asking. And they would have gone away if they had scored. Remember the Jets in 2007? Patriots, who knows what the Patriots are going to be? Is Randy Moss still good? He pulled his hammy. Okay, it's like 38-3. to three. Okay, it seems like this is going to work. No more why questions. Why did we get Randy Moss? Because he's the best <laughs> damn receiver we've ever seen. Why is Matt Patricia running the offense? If they had scored 38 points and then 40 points the next week and then 45 the next week, I bet you Mac wouldn't ask too many why questions. He asked why because the offense was stinky. Okay. All right, Andy Hart. Yeah, let's get into you this. On, and I didn't know that old that was orange true. twinkle toes over there. Uh, yeah, they are a lot of betadine on my toes right now. Yep. Oh, I saw uh, that the other day in the photo. Uh, <laughs> but my toes look good, by the way. Zach Wilson. No toes look good. Zach Wilson for Mac Jones. Like, yeah. explain to me why you would go from bad to worse, horrible to crappy, like mental case to super mental case. Like, why <laughs> would that even be part of your? Honestly, ex like, sell me on this. So, who is the more physically gifted player? Okay, well, I guess we're going to go with running ability. It's obviously uh, arm the, talent. Oh, he does he got? A they have a job. That, I don't know. They have they have a job where throwing the football is part of the job. He has a better arm. He's a better athlete. He can make more plays. He can do more. I don't know if you know, Christian. A lot of Patriots fans want to modernize the quarterback position oh and modernize <laughs> the offense. Have a He's guy a, that runs around and throws picks. Yeah, and that's yeah, modern. That's the, that that's is absolutely modern. modern. Yeah, there you go. Um, but this is You're a, insane. Why am I insane? This is a trash for trash think, trade. Change of scenery. Biggest, what do you think? The one thing that those two guys do have in common. What do you think, Mac Jones? And Zach Wilson have in common. They are mental puddles of goo. Right <laughs> that's it. So, so why that, not take it. the more talented mental puddle of goo? I, I've been told Alex Van Pelt is a like QB whisperer. He works with QBs. He played QB. Give him a shot from wherever March through August. And guess what? I'll cut him if it doesn't work. And if Mac Jones is here, I'm probably cutting him too. There's a great chance that neither of these quarterbacks, even if this trade happened, would ever make it to the regular season roster. But if you tell me, as I wrote on WEEI.com, please go check it out. Uh, and as I put a poll up on Twitter, and most fans are on Christian's side. I think 73% said no. Would you trade for Zach Wilson? But I don't hate the idea of, let's say, Jaden Daniels, Jacoby Brissett, Zach Wilson, Bailey Zappi going to training camp. There's your four. And you whittle it down from there and see what. And if you hit the lottery, let's just say the Jets could not have messed up Zach Wilson more. And he gets here, and for some reason, Ben McAdoo and, and Alex Van Pelt just hit it off with him. And they see things eye to eye. You got a diamond in the rough. <laughs> do, you take the turd have, and you polish it up. 
Do you have like any sort of example of an extreme case like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson? I would say that's the extreme case. And there's others. There's the Russell. There's the you know. There's there's the other draft bust that that exists in the NFL. Um, do you have an example of somebody like that being as low as they are somehow re- reclaiming their 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 career? It's a less uh, timely um, transition. But I think Baker Mayfield, what he did this past year after being a vagabond Caroline. Remember the Rams? The Rams signed him on like a Tuesday and were like, hey, by the way, we play Thursday night. We need you to play. Just do your best. Like he and was he a he but he was just a street. He was available. That's yeah. my point. Like in a league where they don't have enough quarterbacks, he was just on the street and they did that. And now people are talking about him getting a three year, hundred and thirty million dollar contract oh, or something. Sweet so, Jesus. Okay, settle down. I'm wow. just saying. Um, so there's an example of a former high draft pick that now the difference Baker had some success in Cleveland too, whereas Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson is the candidate in my eyes for my argument that you should have to redshirt all rookie quarterbacks, that they shouldn't be allowed to play their first year. Cause I think if Zach Wilson had been forced to sit and learn behind a capable quarterback and a capable coach, maybe he would have had a shot, but he was thrown to the wolves and he fell apart. Um, so yeah, no, I don't. Do I think it's likely? But I also don't think it's likely Mac ever plays for the Patriots again. I don't think you're going to get much for him. I think the best you could get for Mac is the number two pick in the draft. A guy who once upon a time was worth the number two pick in the draft. And it's your job as a coach to see if deep down somewhere in there there's a competitor, there's a talent, there's a there's an upside potential guy. Mm. You don't have to poo-poo it without even reading it. It's hurtful. Okay. Oh, Listen. I talked about it with you on Monday. I don't need to read it. No, I know. Yeah, you, no, we, we kind of workshopped a, it before yeah, I did yeah. it today. I told yeah. you, I told you directly that this was a silly idea. Oh, everybody oh, has tremendous Brian, content. You know, you know who also did? Know it all. Brian Morey chimed in on Twitter, and what? He's like, oh, this is. St-. And I was like, I said something. He goes, Yeah, I didn't read it or watch it. And I was like, Well, that, if you didn't you read know. it or watch That's it, then the how do you know the argument? Comment. Yeah, like didn't Twitter used to have that thing before you could like respond? It said like you didn't read this article. Do you sure you want to <laughs> respond or something? Like where'd so that go? Well, people ignore, it. people ignore it for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, another article today, or there was a uh, podcast with uh, an NFL.com-er, Lance Zierlein, talking about, well, <laughs> Elliot Wolf will be a breath of fresh air, but brings up again trading down from number three. There's th- Is this just a popular narrative in your mind, Hart, or is there real smoke to the fire of trading down? Um, I think there's some smoke. Um, it's all going to hinge on what you think of the quarterback that's left, or quarterbacks, I won't presume. Maybe Marvin Harrison goes one or two, and maybe there's two quarterbacks on the board. It's all going to hinge on what you think of those quarterbacks. I for I think trading down is a loser's lament, is out of fear. It's people that are afraid to draft a quarterback, afraid to assess the position, afraid to develop the position. Um, I took a little time in the snow yesterday, as I told Rich Keefe last night, to do a little bit deeper dive on the top three quarterbacks. I'm quite comfortable taking any of the three at number three. I have preferences. I have stacking order, but I think there's a big drop-off after those three guys. Um, I don't love the idea of all the, oh, you can just take Bo Nix later. I think Bo Nix stinks. I think You're Bo not going to buy into the J.J. McCarthy hype train that has somehow been established? He He's actually sliding, I think, into my four slot, but okay. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I think he's just a four slot holder. I'm not a Penix guy. I'm not a Bo Nix guy. I think there's three quarterbacks that, could be franchise quarterbacks. I'm not guaranteeing anything because 
it's a virtual certainty that all three will not be franchise quarterbacks. But this idea that's trading down, I've never really understood it. It's one of the great fights I've had with with your former producer guy, fella, Chris Scheim, in that he said the Bengals shouldn't take Joe Burrow when they had the number one pick because they had too many holes to fill. A quarterback wasn't going to fix everything. Well, guess what? A quarterback fixes almost everything. Well, if they're good, if they're a franchise guy, they fix, they cover. We lived it for 20 years. What was Tom Brady was the human Band-Aid or WD-40 or duct tape. He pulled it all together and lubed it all up, and you won in the end. So that's the reality. It's You don't have to like it, Gresh. Heck, you don't have to like it, Christian. As former players, linemen, tight ends, whatever, you're not as valuable as the quarterback. You're not wow. as important as the quarterback. Mm. The quarterback is the most valuable entity head and body, head and body, I'm not just saying body, mm. not just physical tools, head and body, most important entity in all of sports. All right, you said that at the end of the segment, so we'll have to let it go. But <laughs> let me, yeah, good slide in there. But let me mention this. Maybe, just maybe, the thought is about the 2025 quarterbacks. Who are and, they? And that, well, I could run down a, I could run down the list. There's Pratt from uh, Tulane. There's the kid from Texas A&M. The people love Shadir Sanders. I'm not in on him. Whoa. There's a big batch of quarterbacks. I don't think that group can hold this group's jock because you have Caleb Williams and Drake. You don't even Drake. know who they are. That's the point. Caleb Williams for three years has been perceived as the number one pick in the draft. Drake May for two years has been mm-hmm. perceived as a top half of the first round quarterback. I like. And people when, are now like, eh, I don't know about those guys. You know why? Because the longer you look, you find pits to, no, is it Nicks to Pitts? Yeah. Or uh, that. Pick, uh, you uh, you find Nick Pitts, Nits, Nits to, to Pick. pick. Go with your uh, well, when a guy feeling. well when a guy yes. comes out and says, "Yeah, I should get part ownership of the franchise," that's on Did him. Did he actually say that? I think it's open season. I think there's a lot of people taking dad. liberties with Caleb Williams and his group and what he wants and what's he. You know what? Also, though, so how many Super Bowls do John Elway and Eli Manning have? Uh, four total. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? One's in the sure. Hall of Fame. One probably will be. Well, Elway Both went were- to five. Both were dinks that when they came into the league that refused to play for a certain franchise and thought they were bigger than the tr- process, and I don't just have to go where they send me. I'm going to go where my family name or my power can put me. So guess what? Sometimes dinks can be great franchise foundational pieces. Yeah. Well, if they do it off mm. of uh, one good year. Yeah. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yeah. Uh, I'm just Draft saying. tackle. Gresh wants a lineman. I'm just saying. Don't, don't be surprised if this team looks to put together a team and then maybe address quarterback next year because Sweet. they know it would be back-to-back years in the top five taking quarterbacks potentially. But then again, what's uh, another thing for us to unpack with our buddy Andy Hart who, of course, joins us each and every Wednesday and read his work at weei.com or just follow Christian's Twitter, who will counteract (laughs) everything Hart says. And read it before you rip it. There you go. Hart, thank you, buddy. See ya.